0: Welcome to Unframed, the podcast which hosts talks and conversations about South African art and artists. I am your host, Anthea Pakroy. Welcome to episode 23 of Unframed. This is the first episode in a series on Unframed called Artists in Isolation, which profiles South African artists during the lockdown period of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are living through unprecedented times, where we are needing to find new ways of connecting with each other and the broader art community of being inspired and of creating more platforms for artists. On today's show, I chat with Eo McCundell about her artistic practice. Eo McCundell is an interdisciplinary artist based in Johannesburg, working primarily with drawing and installation. Her practice is concerned with the process of entropy, the binary between nature and artifice, living and dying. Urban Ecology and Architecture, and Order and Chaos. McCandle holds a BA Fine Art at Michaelis School of Fine Arts in Cape Town and is currently a master's candidate at the Wit School of Arts. McCandle has exhibited in group exhibitions both locally and internationally and had two solo exhibitions in Johannesburg. Her work is part of several private and corporate collections. Please enjoy listening to my conversation with McCandle. Hi, Mukundel, welcome to this episode of Unframed. Hi, Anthea, thank you so much. Um, Io Mukundel is a Johannesburg-based artist. I'm going to get her to introduce herself properly in a moment. Um, But she's also a very close friend and um, she's been a huge advocate of the podcast, of me starting it, and also very kindly designed the beautiful Unframed logo. Um, I'm very happy to have you as my first guest artist during what I'm calling an Artists in Isolation series. This comes at a very strange time in our lives, completely unprecedented, something that I could never have imagined we would be living through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're all currently in a national lockdown, supposedly until the end of April. So I thought it would be a really good opportunity while we're all at home to connect virtually virtually via Zoom, to talk to artists about what they're up to during this time and how they're finding the self-isolation and, and how their practices are continuing or not. So for our listeners who do not know you, Mukundel, who is Io Uh Thank you, Anthea. So I am an
1: artist based in Johannesburg and I have been living here for over six years And I've got a home studio, luckily, yes. And I am a drawer and interdisciplinary artist that works in various different forms.
0: So before we begin um, talking about your work and your practice, um, I'd like to ask you to tell our listeners where they can see your work. I think it's important for people to be able to look at your work while we're chatting. So where online can they see your work? (sighs) Uh, so you can see
1: my work on Instagram and on my website. So my website is eomakundal.com and my Instagram handle is also eomakundal.
0: And I will include those in the show notes. So let's begin in this context at this very moment. How are you doing? How, how has isolation been for you? I can imagine like the life of an artist and also being a new mom, isn't too, diff- it's, it's, you're quite used to the self-isolation at this point of your life, maybe. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, I think, I think at this point I am quite used to it. I've spent a lot of time at home for, over the last seven months. And as you said, due to the birth of my son. And um, so I've been working ho- from home uh, for quite a while now. But also just, it's interesting how once you are restricted suddenly you have the urge to <laughs> leave your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think since we've been in lockdown, for some reason it has mentally been a, a harder than before. And I think that's also just because previously I was able to go walk my dogs and, you know, run various errands that I needed to run. So you would have those breaks from being at home whereas now you're constantly at home so yeah it's it has its ups and downs um but for the most part it's been good for um, now
0: <laughs> for, yeah we've got another three weeks still um yeah. let's talk in three weeks again so about being a mother like how are you finding the balance between kind of your motherly duties and your artistic practice and how are you managing to balance that
1: yeah i, I think it's it is a tricky thing uh, or can be a tricky thing simply because I think both roles demand a lot of you being a mum and being an artist. And I certainly consider my art practice as a baby too. You know, it's like something that you birth and take care of equally as much as you, you should your child. So it's been uh, tricky, but before I gave birth, I interviewed a lot of other artist mothers and asked them about how they managed to adapt to the role and, and their time. And they gave a lot of insightful, um, skills and tools to implement and just, you know, time management. And yeah, I think with that, I've, I also rallied a a support network around me as well of mother artists. So I often, if I'm struggling at times, would speak to somebody and kind of ask their advice on how to handle things. Yeah, so it is is, um, a juggling game, but there are ways, you know, it's obviously possible because I think you just need to have the right intentions and dedication to your practice. So, yeah, nighttime is my golden time when baby's asleep. When my son is asleep, then I have, you know, good, solid moment in time to work in the evenings. Whereas during the day, it's like broken up um, into like half an hour, an hour there, an hour here. Whereas nighttime is like a good like five, six hours. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about your background and how you became an artist. Um, I remember meeting you, in it was it must have been about twenty thirteen twenty fourteen. I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. That it was at the end of your your university degree that you did this project and uh, called the Cube Gallery, the Cube, Cube Gallery, roots, yeah. Cube Roots. So and you could talk a little bit more about that. Um, and I met you in the parking lot of the Assembled Studios because assemblage was one of your bases so I remember that's that was the first time I met you but just tell us a little bit about before then and up until now what you've been (laughs) up to Uh,
1: so yes after I studied fine arts I took a bit of a break from from the art world and I worked a little bit in the design industry for a while but then in in about 2016 I returned to my art practice and that's when I started working in, in seriousness on, on my work. Um, yeah, and it was about then that I got a studio at Assemblage. And I think it was when I got a studio that, that, I, that I took it very seriously um, and have been working ever since then. And, yeah, going from opportunity to opportunity and exhibition to exhibition and, yeah, just mm. trying to make it happen.
0: I see that when people get a studio, you know, the idea of getting a studio is often for a lot of artists, like they, they get a studio and then they realize, okay, wait, no. But artists like you, it was a, it was an incentive to keep on going. You're like, okay, I have this rent to pay. Like, yes. I need to take this seriously. And it really, it does, I feel like it does become quite a strong motivation for artists to really push themselves. And also, I suppose being yeah. in, in an environment around other artists can be incredibly motivating and supportive. Definitely.
1: Interestingly, though, uh, I think Assemblage was the only studio that I rented. Yeah. I mean, since since I moved out of there, I've had a home studio um, wherever I've lived, quite, quite fortunately, because I love to work at night in the early hours of the morning. You know, my, my golden time for me is, is, you know, around midnight and into the early hours of the morning. Like that's when I'm my most active. And so mm. having a home studio is really beneficial to that. So, yeah, it's interesting that I've I've only really had one studio outside of my home. But having said that, I think now now being a mother and having a child, I think that's definitely going to change in a way where – if I can, like I would like to have a studio outside of the home because mm-hmm. then I can also time block very, um, um, you know, dedicatedly like going to another space, to another studio to work and then coming home and then that's kind of, you know, I enter my mother role again yeah. and then leave to go to the studio. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's important to, to create those um, distinctions mm-hmm. of a headspace.
1: Not that I think that they should be very exclusive to each other, I mean, I think yeah i shouldn't I shouldn't separate it too much mm. either um yeah
0: Well, why do you say like what what about being a mother is is it bringing to your practice? would you say
1: I think the role of being a mother requires you to be very um adaptive, spontaneous, but at the same time routined yeah it just like activates a whole different side of you or at least for me it's like activating a very different part of myself where I'm needing to rely on my own wisdom and intuition and like knowing when something's right or knowing when something's wrong as well as doing a lot of research and knowing like okay well this this is the right thing or this is what I should be doing at this time I mean I take it very seriously like Mm. I don't know for me, I I do a lot of reading on like a child's development, and and I think, yeah, just applying that kind of rigorous doing in parenting. I I also do in in my practice.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah,
1: and I yeah, and I think also just surrendering to you you know, there's also you can't completely control. A situation, and you also have to just surrender to it and lean into what your child needs or is communicating to you and I think it's the same with um or well, i'm learning that with my practice too, where it's like it is its own thing in itself where you have to listen um so it's I think it's also about listening, and I'm realizing that more and more of, of on how to listen.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about your artistic practice so you know what is the content, what is the medium? So yeah, some of the themes that
1: I work with um are the idea of entropy, um, landscape and the relationship between um the artifice and nature. And also I'm interested in materialism, materiality, plantscapes. Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of that I draw uh, from but those are the main themes that i work with and then obviously our human condition and 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 our and the human relationship to all of those things
0: yeah and and those kind of workings would manifest often in drawing and installation <laughs> yes, yeah so yeah yeah and... drawing um
1: yeah installation and um installation made from readily made objects and detritus that I would find around the city, you know, natural, natural materials and like artificial materials, plastics and concrete and, um, yeah, so I kind of work with a a whole range of different materials to then make these, what I call tactile drawings, um, in space and then also these more traditional type of drawings on paper where they also um they abstract and they you know in 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 my my more traditional paper two dimensional drawings um for me those are abstracted landscapes um or mindscapes that I'm kind of working within like creating these new hybrid environments
0: Mm. Yeah. I really love the term tactile drawing. I think it's it's a really kind of <laughs> tactile word like I can see <laughs> and and I suppose because I know your work so while, so well like the way in which you use line and texture and like mark making in your kind of what you call traditional two dimensional drawings is very very much echoed in these kind of three dimensional tactile drawings. Can you talk a little bit more about the relationship between the tactile drawings and the traditional drawings and are the traditional drawings sketches for the tactile drawings, or are they quite separate
1: yeah i mean they 're separate in the sense that they are their own kind of complete things in themselves, so um the traditional paper drawings I'll just call them the the 2d paper drawings those are they're not sketches for the tactile drawings necessarily not in any uh, kind of formal way but I guess in a sense I always I'm always working on one or the other but the tactile drawings if I'm doing an installation then I do try to not mimic but emulate the 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 form and as you say like mark making and line with the materials that i'm using in the installation i mean that definitely was a very uh, conscious decision earlier in my, in in my earlier installations i think i'm starting to move away from that now with my installations where my my um kind of decision making in in what materials to use is 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 changing mm. um, rather not to emulate the 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 paper drawings but to speak another language like develop its own language to speak about other things yeah, um, but I think definitely the tactile drawings when you walk in them when 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 you get to experience them spatially i do want to kind of create the sense that you are walking inside one of the drawings, one of my, my, my two dimensional drawings.
0: You quite successfully did that with your, um, your augmented reality piece. Yes. yes, You really were walking through a drawing and it did definitely give the feeling that you were walking through one of your installations.
1: Yeah. 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 I was about to say that when, um, uh, that that's almost like the the next step. The next step was to take that into a virtual reality space, where you know the the there's a physical tactile drawing that you get to experience. But then once you go into this digital virtual space, you then like further immersed into that um, reality. Mm. Yeah.
0: You spoke about like your earlier installations or it makes me think of your nests that you used to create and, you know, they were almost like self-contained objects rather than what you're doing now, which is very immersive and experiential and you, you play with space in entire rooms and entire Mm. environments it's almost like no beginning and no end where you know there's no Mm. it's not like a self-contained yeah object yeah I
1: think my my earlier my earlier works were very um yeah they were sculptures they were sculptural um, and I would consider those sculptures um where they were these like self-contained objects they were like micro tactile drawings in a way <laughs> yeah. so Like these contained micro tactile drawings, whereas I've not, uh, yeah. And then as as I kind of developed, I expanded them further afield into the entire space. And I started working with the architecture of a space and with the kind of confines of a room and the corner. And I be- started to become interesting with the actual architecture as as a a platform to kind of converse with that as the substrate to work against Mm -hmm. yeah. so that's that's what started to happen then is that the the actual room became very important to how you experience the space and I mean those opportunities of using an entire room don't always come my way I mean I would I would love to work more in that way I mean that's I'd love entire buildings to work within and I think if I may, speak to you about the Villa show that Jonathan Fremantle curated. That was probably my my most favorite opportunity in to make a tactile drawing, where also because the 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 whole space spoke to everything that I'm interested in, where it was this abandoned and dilapidated mansion in Hyde Park that he was uh, working in. He had a studio there for a while, and just before it was being demolished, he invited a few artists to work in there and to, to have uh, this show. Yeah, it was just – it was so incredibly – exciting for me because it was exactly what what the kind of a space that I would want to work in so I took up a room in 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 the house and got to really play and get messy in it yeah was
0: great uh when you speak about like the tactile quality of the drawings I think it also it like absorbs all your senses so a lot of the time you have these like this mobility in your installation so there's movement there's Wind, there's a uh, smell, there's, you know, you really just ignite all the senses in those installations.
1: Well, I hope, yeah, I'm glad to hear that because I feel like I could always go further with it. But yes, I do try to kind of make you aware of the, the smell in the space and the light and the ambience around it. But it always could go further.
0: Yeah, and as you say, you just need to find, like, the right environments to do it, mm, mm, which is yeah. a challenge in Joburg, often to find Yes spaces. and no.
1: It's interesting to think of it as, you know, is the gallery the right space for it or is, like, for example, the dilapidated abandoned mansion the right space for it? and i think both both have very different ways of allowing that kind of work to exist yeah and and both both are interesting in their own ways um but i definitely think you would read it you read it very differently when when it's in a abandoned space or in a museum or art fair or gallery i mean i've i've had an installation at an art fair and it challenged a lot of people where and I think that was a good thing where they they kind of questioned why would something like this be at an art fair where it's not necessarily um consumable or you can't buy it, it's just purely experiential and ephemeral, um, so I think that was interesting um for the um curator to to include that work in an yeah. in the context of an art fair, yeah, definitely,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I would describe your drawings and your tactile drawings as abstract or it makes me think about kind of automatic drawing, you know, that what emerged in the surrealist movement of subconscious drawing. What are your thoughts on that? Do you identify with that at all?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, uh, I definitely embrace that in a certain way where, you know, I don't like when I get into the the zone of drawing, then it is very um kind of automatic or intuitive where I'm kind of working in a very intuitive way, but it's kind of founded on having done a lot of research around something that I want to communicate and or or like a certain place or a certain sense that I want to convey. Um, so I do have an idea of what I want to where rather not what but where I want to take the viewer and then I kind of go into that space and start working with that like working with the kind of language that I've developed the kind of code that I've developed in the drawing so yeah I mean yes and no Mm. I'd say like there there is an, an element of that in
0: in the drawing you frequently refer to the notion of the third landscape with regards to your work can you talk us through that notion Hmm. So it's something, it's a term that a landscaper and
1: gardener came up with, Giles uh, uh, Clement. He came up with this uh, term of these spaces uh, that are kind of the, like, left leftover spaces within the city or urban landscape. These, either they are reserved on the outskirts of the city or in the city, and they're just left to kind of proliferate, uh, as nature would, and he argued that the, in these spaces, these are the the kind of ecological and genetic reservoirs of of ecology. Yeah, so I I've, I was very intrigued by that as a concept of thinking, or as like a lens to think about uh, how things evolve. Because I also I'm, I'm very interested in ecology and ecologies and um, urban ecologies. And um, I also think of the third landscape as there a space for opportunism and chaos, yeah, a space for adaptation and things festering, and I I think that also then links to another um, idea that I'm interested in 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 entropy, where that's kind of is about uh, disorder or things kind of unfolding into disorder and unfolding into decay or chaos. So for me, those two concepts kind of speak to each other, where they they, they coexist with each other as these disruptions that happen um, in this kind of
0: order that we expect to create in our uh, human habitats. Mm. Your last two solo shows, the one was in, I think, 2017 and the other one in 2019, they both have the, the, the word entropy in them. I was wondering about how you associate that word with our current context and like what it means. Like, do you see what's happening in the world right now with COVID-19 like as an entropy, like as something that is being dismantled, mm. that is decaying into chaos or like what are your thoughts on, on those yeah. theories that you are working with in your work and, and how it relates to what's happening now? Yeah,
1: I I think uh, it is quite interesting for me to think about what is happening with COVID-19 in relationship to those ideas, because I think it is precisely that. It's like, you know, pandemics are something that we're probably going to see more and more of as, you know, as the environment takes more strain. And it's something that we need to um, start leaning into more and more, where we need to become comfortable with that, and we need to become more adaptive and adaptable within those situations, yeah, and so entropy has always been an important way for me it's like a a way of being where you you need to be able to create a kind of new order within the disorder or like a the way that I see it is that it's like a dance. You have to like adapt into all these different things happening all at once and, and, and to become comfortable with unpredictability and uncertainty, if you mm. know what I mean.
0: So are you saying entropy isn't necessarily like a negative state? It's a space of possibility. It's a space of transformation. <sighs>
1: Yes, um, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's definitely not negative. It is, it's, it's a natural state of being. And it is a thing that, entropy is not a, it's not a negative thing. It's something that you, it's a space for adapting, for adaptability and to take the opportunity. It's an opportunistic space because as things evolve or devolve, you need to be uh, inventive. In those spaces, and so yeah, I mean, just uh, you you made reference of the, the my solo shows, so with my show last year, "Life in the Entropics," that I kind of invented this space of the entropics as this new reality or this new space, this new world, this like dystopian utopian space, where you know it's like you need to be living with the trouble, so to speak.
0: How do you think we live differently now?
1: I don't think it's necessarily that we don't adapt, but I do think in the world of consumerism and capitalism, we are very comfortable with, with knowing what to expect, knowing a certain order, you know, and having a certain quality of life. And yeah, we're not in, in that space. We're not easily adapt, adaptive to, to chaos um and now we've been like flung into chaos you know and 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 people have been scrambling for comfort and scrambling for for some kind of structure and order and i mean there's there's value in that i think it's not about discarding or discrediting the opposite it's more like it's it's a binary it's like you need to have one for the other and it's like you need to balance it's about balancing both these modes of being of order and disorder and
0: So, Mukundal, what would you say would be your proudest moments in your art career in the last few years?
1: Yeah, some of my my proudest moments have definitely been um, the residency that I went on in New York for three months. That was definitely a highlight for me. I think also just having a solo show has always been um, a highlight and a proud moment for me in my career thus far. I think shows... And residencies are, are my. I mean, obviously, because that's where where you get to show your work and and have an audience converse with it and engage with it and resonate with it. And I think that's always a very exciting moment for an artist is to kind of have this feedback on like, is, does it does it actually resonate? You know, and have a place and space in 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 other people's minds and hearts and
0: yeah always an important always an important (laughs) one for them to take it home but yeah I mean when I look at you know how you've grown over the last few years I'm really impressed with the shows that you've had in like very prestigious galleries Uh, Kalashnikov Gallery, Everard Reed in Cape Town you've been on most art fairs for the last few years and one of my favorite proudest moments of you (laughs) is um, you were included in a in an article in Wallpaper magazine, an international magazine, that listed, I think, nine South African artists to like look out for or something like that. And you were amongst kind of very, very incredible, prestigious artists like Nicholas Klobo, Nandeep Mtambo, Lady Scoli, and and, eight, and a few others who <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> offhand right now. But I just I was incredibly proud in that moment for you to be uh, listed amongst that company and for me i was i was that was a proud moment for me at least mm, thank you yeah
1: yeah that, de- definitely yeah it was um a huge compliment um to be included in that yeah thank you for mentioning that
0: which artists are you inspired by i mean who do you look at both historically and in this contemporary moment who are you looking mm. at um well i think i think i, I look at a lot of
1: people all the time and also not necessarily artists, but um, I think some of the, the artists that I really draw inspiration from and enjoy kind of following their practices are uh, Julie to Meg Webster, um, and I guess art historically side, Twombly is definitely an influence. Um, and then also Sarah Tsi,
0: Um, I see a Kandinsky poster behind you (laughs) and I'm definitely seeing some Kandinsky (laughs) influence.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Kandinsky and Miro are also definitely um, um, inspirations. And then um, Pierre Haig, I I always struggle with his surname. Those are some of the artists that I I look at. Yeah, and that influenced my work. Oh, there is another one that I kind of follow obsessively on Instagram that I just think he's really brilliant. What is his name? Nicholas, um, oh, yeah, Nicholas Lamas. Um, probably one of yeah, my top artists to look at. Um, his work's really poignant. Mm.
0: And um, finally, what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, I'm,
1: I'm working on a series of uh, drawings from my balcony where I'm restricted. That's the view that I have. Um, But I've got a very uh, compelling view as views go, um, where I've got this beautiful kind of green belt before the city skyline of Johannesburg. And it's very seductive, you know, it's the only piece of outside I have at the moment. So I've I've been very drawn to that view. So I'm, I'm working on a series with that. And then otherwise also, my compost heap is a piece of work that I'm working on. Oh yeah, um, where I'm kind of generating this soil. Um, yeah, but that's for a project for another time for another conversation.
0: Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, my Watch the space. Yes, I can't wait to see what <laughs> comes next post post lockdown yeah. and for the rest mm. of the year. And mm. thank you so much for your time. And it was a mm. pleasure talking to you. Mm, thank you, Anthea. That
1: was wonderful to speak with you. And I look forward to hearing um, about all the other artists that you interview. I'm excited to to listen to Unframed podcast in the coming days.
0: Thank you so much to Mukundal and to you, the listeners, for joining me today. Please follow Unframed podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share this episode with your networks and encourage them to follow Unframed too. You can also subscribe on Apple Music and please rate and review us as it will help us to get more followers. Thank you and see you next time. Bye.